That's Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to everyone here, both members and visitors. And if you're at home watching, at least I know you're paying attention because I heard a lot of people going, Ephesians, Ephesians, I could hear it all throughout the crowd. So (laughs) I thought that was interesting. So uh, this morning we're going to continue in our sermon series on the church, which will continue to the end of March. And then we're going to begin a new sermon series on the subject of becoming like Jesus. So, so far we looked at how the church was God's plan not just from the time of Abraham and David, but it was God's plan for before, before creation, the creation of the world. And then last week, Jay spoke about the church being the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. The human body is made up of different parts, made up of arms, made up of legs, hands, feet, eyes, mouth, etc. And they all have different functions, but they work together as a body. We are to work together as a body. In the same way, the church is the body with many members. We all have different functions. We work together as each does its part, and we all need to function as a body. We can't just some of us function and some not. We all have to function together for it to be a body. So this week, we're going to look at the work of the church. And, oh, yes, the church has work to do. We have work to do, all of us. God has prepared works in advance for us to do. And that's what we heard from the reading, especially verse 10 of Ephesians Chapter 2. And so, let me ask you this. What happens if the hand or the foot stops working? We would consider that pretty significant, right? To, to not have a hand to use, to not have a foot to use. We would consider that pretty significant. What if your bowel stops working? Oh, that's not good, is it? If your bowel stops working, that's pretty significant, isn't it? And so, it's the same way if members do not work. Other members have to work even harder to compensate for it. God's will for us is that we work together for God's glory. So with this in mind, what are some of the works we're to do as the church? What are some of the things that we're supposed to do as the body of Christ? And I'm not referring to things like loving our neighbor. We know that we're supposed to do that. That is more about attitude than work. And so, but what are some of the things we need to do to function as a body? So I had three points. The first one is edification. Now, to edify means to build up. To build up. As Christians and as the body of Christ, we need to grow. And we need to work at helping others grow. It's everybody's job. It's not just one person's job. A child doesn't stay a child forever. A child moves on to maturity. A child grows. We are expected to do the same, both individually and collectively, as the church, as the body. Take a look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28:18-20. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." Notice verse 20. "And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." So, Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything he commanded. This command Jesus gave to his chosen apostles. However, teaching Christians to obey our Lord's commands is something we all need to be doing. This wasn't just the role of the apostles. This wasn't just the role of a certain chosen few. This is everybody's role to try to teach each other so that we can grow together as the body. When we first become Christians, we become babes or babies in Christ, in the family of God. And we need our spiritual food to grow. We need to mature and to become like Christ. Well, that doesn't happen on our own. That happens with all of us working together. One of the first duties as the work of the church is to teach and to strengthen the members of the family. We are to be built up and we are to build each other up through the word of God. We need to help everybody get their food. Everybody needs to eat. We don't want to starve. I was thinking of the the Lord's Supper talk at the very point that I'm making now. We all need to eat. We all need our spiritual food. And so we all need to mature and become like Christ. We are to be built up. We are to build each other up. It's everyone's duty. It's everyone's duty. It's all of us. It's not the job of the elders. It's not the job of the preachers. It's everybody's job. We all have to be concerned about this. As a church, we also need to provide a place and the right environment and the right atmosphere where the family can grow. So I want you to think about this point. As Christians, as the body, it is all of our responsibility to provide the right atmosphere and environment for us to grow. It's very important. It's everybody's job. It's not specifically, as I mentioned, the elders, the preacher. It's everybody's job to do this. We are all responsible for making sure this is a place and an environment where we can grow. We all have a part to play in this. That means we have to take responsibility for our own behavior and how it affects others. We don't want to hurt someone's growth. We are to build each other up, not to tear each other down. Also, being built up, being edified, doesn't happen when we stay away. It only happens when we come together as the church, as the family of God. We need to work together. We need to edify one another. That's all of our job. So the second point I have is benevolence. Now, in this In this passage, we're going to look at Paul commanded the Galatian church to be benevolent. Take a look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And I'm sure many of us have quoted this verse many times. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In this verse, as I mentioned, Paul commanded the Galatian church to be benevolent, to do good to all people. Part of what is being talked about in that verse is the attitude of the heart. Do we have the right attitude? Do we have an attitude that we want to be nice? We want to do good to all people. God wants us to always care about people. That's what being a Christian is about, is caring about others. But I want to focus on the part that comes after the part of doing good to all people. We are to do good, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That is very important, especially to God. So again, just like the point about edification, we are each individually and collectively responsible for doing good, for helping out our family. When we need help, our family should be willing and wanting to help us. That would be pretty horrible if they didn't, right? What kind of feeling does that leave in a person, right? Our family doesn't want anything to do with us. They don't want to help. Well, we are all one family, and we should all be willing to help out when someone needs help. Now, with that said, this does not mean 
we get to take advantage of our family. We do not get to do that. We are to do what we can to improve our own situation if it's possible. We have to be willing to do our part. So we as the church are to build each other up and we are to do good to each other. So we see in the passage and section here we're going to look at, we see something very important. And we're going to look at point number three right now, evangelism. We're going to see something very important in the verse that we're going to look at. The most important work of the church is evangelism. That is our most important work and is everybody's job. Take a look at Mark chapter 16. I want to point out two things in that passage. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Let's read those verses. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So as one commentator said, it is wonderful to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. But if we fail to teach them the gospel, they will die and go where we don't want them to on judgment day. It is so important it's so important to meet the physical needs, but it's more important to meet the spiritual needs. A person dies, where do they go? We always have to ask ourselves that. If a person dies, where are they going to go? We can do everything. We could, we could feed the world. We can clothe the world. But if we don't preach the gospel to them, we know where they're going to go, where we don't want them to. The Great Commission is our marching orders. Preaching the gospel to the lost is another work that is individual and collective. We, together as the church, have to do whatever we can to help. I'll give you a good example. I've had times where people approach me, and I told myself, you know what? I don't think I'm the person they need to speak to. They would connect better with this person. So I would connect them with this other person, and next thing you know, they're studying the gospel, and boom, they obey the gospel. They're Christians. So everybody needs to do their part. Bring friends and family to worship. Do what you can. Everybody needs to do their part in evangelizing, in reaching the lost. It's everybody's job. Preaching the gospel to the lost is another work that we need to do together and individually. The church needs to reach the lost with the truth. Jesus expects it of us. However, we should desire to share the gospel with people. We should be enthusiastic about doing it. If we're not excited about talking to people about the gospel, what's wrong? What's wrong with us? Are we confident about our own salvation? Is there something that's holding us back? Are we afraid of rejection? Are we afraid that in the end we get close to them and they don't obey the gospel? What keeps us from sharing the good news? Take a look at Acts chapter 7, verses 59 to chapter 8, verse 4. Acts chapter 7, verses 59 to chapter 8, verse 4. So this is the account of Stephen when he's getting stoned. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
So, because of Saul, later called Paul, Christians were being persecuted, as seen in chapter 8, verse 3. As a result, they're scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And Samaria was below Judea. And as seen in chapter 8, verse 1, we see this. A place where Jews would normally try to avoid. Think about it. These were Jewish Christians, and they ran straight to an area they would never go. They ran straight to Samaria. And so, take a look at Acts chapter 11 now and see what happens with this group. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26, this is what we read. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So these persecuted Christians traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. They went everywhere. Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Interestingly enough, we see that Paul was converted by this time in this second passage. Here he is. He's the one that started all of this, that caused the persecution. And later we read that he is a Christian. He becomes one himself. And so that's, a, that's really interesting, isn't it? Here's the guy that caused it. Now he changes sides. He becomes a Christian. He sees truth. So I want to bring up two important points in regards to these two passages and in regards to evangelism. And I want you to think about this. The news was so good and so great that the people just couldn't keep it to themselves. Everywhere the persecuted people went, they preached the gospel. These persecuted Christians lost everything they owned. As a Jewish man coming up for the feast, you had to be there once a year. And so a lot of these men would sell everything they had just to be able to make the journey. And so they would get there, and they would have to manage as far as how to be able to leave there and get back home. And so if they still had stuff, they would probably end up selling those things to make the journey back. But they left everything they had, everything. And so it's interesting. They didn't go around saying, poor, poor, pitiful me, but rather, oh, how blessed I am. They didn't say, look at what, ha- what the world has come to, but rather, look who has come to the world. They were preaching this message to people. Look who has come to the world. It's Jesus, the one we've been waiting for. They were enthusiastic about sharing the good news. They were excited to tell people. The chosen one that everyone was waiting for has come, and he has brought salvation to the world. They saw the gospel for what it truly was, good news. And that's what gospel means. It means good news. They wanted others to hear it. They saw it as such good news that many traveled great distances to share it with others, even though their lives were in jeopardy. They were being hunted down. They still shared the good news. They were enthusiastic about sharing it. And the second point I want to bring up is that the people were confident about their salvation. These were people who had no doubt that the message that they had heard was from God and that the gospel they responded to made them right with God. They knew they were saved people. They were confident in their salvation. 
That's why they were excited to share it with others. God made sure that we got to hear the good news. God made sure that we could know how to be saved. They got it. They understood it. They shared it with others. They knew they were saved. They knew that they had a relationship now with the Lord and that he was with them. You might have noticed in chapter 11, verse 21, and it says that the Lord's hand was with them. God worked with them. They weren't alone. They knew that God was with them. They were excited about their salvation. They were excited about their new relationship with the Lord. So how excited are we? How excited are we about our salvation? How excited are we about our relationship with the Lord? How enthusiastic are we to bring the gospel to the world? We need to love souls. That is how we show real Christian love for people, is we want to see them saved, that we want to share this news with them. We need to love them. We need to show Christian love. We also need to remember that the Lord is with us when we're sharing the good news. Sometimes we get scared. We don't know what to say. We don't know, how am I going to be able to break the ice? But don't forget, God is with you all the time, and God will help you with that. I know it's, if it's one thing I don't want to hear from a, a family member or a friend on the day that Jesus returns is, I thought you loved me. Why didn't you share this news with me? Didn't you think I was worth saving? Let that sink in for a second. Imagine on that day a family member or a friend says to you, why didn't you tell me about this? Didn't you love me? Didn't you think I was worth saving? Imagine if you had to hear that. We're talking about letting people know that they can live forever with God and be truly happy. Why wouldn't you want to share that? They will get to live forever with joy and peace and without fear of ever dying again. Why wouldn't want, I want someone to know that? So the church is to spread the good news. We should want to see people saved. We should be enthusiastic and excited about our own salvation and about bringing that good news to other people. So let's read about what God thinks about this, about sharing the good news with others. Take a look at Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, verses 11 to 17. Notice what it says. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So the message is heard through the word of Christ. There's one interesting verse in that text that I just want to point out. And that's the part where it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's taken from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. But he doesn't use all of that verse from the Old Testament. Let me read to you the whole passage of Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So we know that God's, it's not talking about God loving our feet, right? 
How beautiful are the feet? Let's talk about the messenger. How beautiful is the messenger who brings the good news? The Lord expects us, his church, to be sharing his good news. We heard it. We responded to it. Why would we hold that back, hold that back from someone else? And so, let me summarize the three things that we looked at. We looked at edification. We looked at benevolence. And we looked at evangelism. These are the work of the church. There are work individually. There are work collectively. We all should be taking the opportunity to do these things. We need to do our part. So if you are here today, if you have not heard the gospel, won't you come forward and do that today? We want you to be saved. We want you to look forward to a beautiful life after this one. And most importantly, we want you to have a right relationship with the creator of the universe. Now is the time. Don't delay. Let's stand and sing our last song in the morning.